0: 1 Romans chapter 1 verse 16 Paul writing to the church makes a statement or declaration for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek notice it's uh, in the middle of the verse it says the gospel of Christ which we know of through the word of God Is the power of God unto salvation. The power of God to bring salvation into into being. Or to bring to bear uh, salvation. Now Strong's Concordance identifies this word. Soteria. As to mean rescue or safety. Physically or morally. To deliver. It means health. Salvation. Save and saving. We've uh, talked in the past. Previous times concerning this verse. About the notes in uh, the Schofield Bible, Doctor Schofield was a uh, Greek scholar, uh, very well and widely respected. He used to be the foremost uh, Greek scholar; maybe he still is. I just don't know. But uh, growing up in the Baptist church, everybody talked about Schofield. Everybody uh, wanted a Schofield Bible. That was the best gift you could get. And in his footnote uh, concerning this verse, Romans one sixteen. He says that salvation, the word that's used here for salvation, is an all-inclusive word. And it means to rescue, to deliver, to make safe, to make sound, or to make whole or heal. So he's faithful to the definition of the word that was used here. No question about it. He's right on. I'm not sure why he didn't uh, assimilate this meaning, this all-inclusive salvation, into preaching on healing, but... From my understanding, he never really got that far. But at least he was honest enough to say that's what the word means. I've got a lot of respect for that guy for that, uh, at least that far. Now in Proverbs chapter 4, beginning in verse 20, it says, My son, attend unto my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them. And health to all their flesh." Folks, we started healing school, um, I think, 11 years ago. I'm not exactly sure, but uh, uh, since the time that we started, we've been preaching every Sunday night with very few exceptions. Holidays are the only time that, um, that we didn't have services for healing school. But we've been teaching on healing for a long, long time. And I've been pastoring the church for 33 years. It was 33 years ago this year this January that, um, uh, that we started the church and I always preached on healing then even before we started healing school I was in the ministry, began in the ministry about five years before that and taught healing really cut my teeth on healing if you know what I mean because of my association with Brother Hagan. faith in healing was a, a, a standard faith in healing was uh, a very common subject very common topic that, uh, that I have always preached and again it's because I became acquainted with it through Brother Hagen, Brother Hagen's teachings and his uh, experience with healing and both receiving his own healing as a teenager and um, uh, ministering healing to others. So healing is something that I know. Healing is something that I know in and out. But about eight years ago I began to be attacked with what the doctors have identified or diagnosed as Parkinson's disease. Now I didn't know anything about Parkinson's, Still don't know a whole lot about it, but um, but it's kind of a unknown to the medical community too, because there are certain symptoms that you can identify with Parkinson's. The most obvious being tremors, where uh, a part of a person's body will shake uncontrollably. And uh, and there are some other things they know that it attacks the nervous system and the impact that it has on uh, on the nervous system and so forth but not every symptom that they say is associated with Parkinson's is realized by everybody that has it it's not a standardized thing it affects some people one way it affects some people other people other certain ways the major uh, signs of it are certainly the tremors and the shaking and, and uh, so forth but there's also some, uh, a lot of unseen things that are associated with it attacks uh, internal attacks on the body that uh, that people on the outside can 't tell. and um, and so I, I have found that this eight years of dealing with this situation has been a great learning experience now don 't get me wrong god doesn 't give you parkinson 's to teach you anything he 's not the author of parkinson 's but there are things to learn and i 'll put it in another uh, another context. Some of the situations that we experience with uh, the finances regarding or the need for finances, regarding this building project that we took on many, many years ago. Some of those things, some things that I learned about believing God for finances, I wouldn't have learned any other way than going through the experience that we did or that we had. Now, again, that's not to say that God wanted me to, or wanted us, our church, to go through financial hardship so he could teach us something. But folks, there's something you can learn in anything. And a lot of times I think people get so hung up with or, or, get so focused on the difficulty that they fail to recognize that there is something to learn. Now generally, and I've made this statement uh, for more than 33 years, there is something to learn about affliction and and so forth. There's something to learn about uh, when sickness attacks you, and that is that it's better to be well. There's something to learn when you're attacked with poverty and lack, and that is it's better to be fully provided for to be prosperous rather than to be without. But there are things, even here in uh, in Proverbs chapter 4, we just read verses 20 through 22. Notice verse 22 again. They're life unto those that find them. My words are life unto those that find them. My words are life unto those that find them. Now if you read the previous two verses again, he says, my son attends to my words. Well wouldn't you expect somebody that attends to the word of God to have already found it? Incline your ear to his sayings. Wouldn't you expect that if somebody's inclining their ear to the word of God, they've already found it? The next one characteristic says, let them, my words, not depart from before your eyes. Well, if you're keeping the word of God before your eyes all the time, then wouldn't that be an indication that you've already found it? Finally, he says, keep them in the midst of your heart. We know from other studies and other scripture that keeping the word of God in the midst of your heart means to continue to speak it. But if you're speaking God's word, wouldn't that indicate you'd already found it? But again it says, for they are life unto those that find them. There is a discovery process to the word. Now for me, there's been uh, an experience um, that I didn't want. It's lasted longer than I thought that it should. Certainly longer than I wanted it to. But folks, there's been a discovery process in this situation with me. Now, maybe different people handle things different ways. Maybe uh, other people have a different foundation than I have, and so they wouldn't have had the same kind of difficulty with some of it that I had. I don't know. doesn't matter to me. I don't care whether somebody thinks I handled this well or, or not. As long as the name of Jesus is glorified, I don't care. But there's been a discovery process in this thing for me. Now, one of the things that I uh, have done and really, I didn't start it with, uh, with the attack against my own body. But one of the things that I've always relied on is, is the book, Christ the Healer by F.F. F. Bosworth. If you don't have the book, and, and if you're not familiar with the book, Christ the Healer by F.F. F. Bosworth, you don't know hardly anything about healing. It is, outside of the Bible, the greatest handbook on how to receive your healing that, that exists. And he, this guy was somebody that had experience. He would preach to... Thousands of people in crusades and evangelistic venues and so forth. And most of the people that got healed under his ministry, and they have documented cases of hundreds of thousands, over 500,000 actually. I don't know how much over, but that's still a good number to start with, I guess. But they've got documented cases of people that used to have a condition and then they were pronounced well by the same doctor that diagnosed the original condition. And most every one of those that were healed were healed through hearing the Word of God taught and taking hold of healing by their own faith or with their own faith. And so his, um, the book that he authored, Christ the Healer, has always been something that's been special to me because of the fact, uh, primarily I guess, because of the fact that I'm a teacher myself. And if he got those kind of results by teaching healing, then I want to know what he taught. I want to know how I can incorporate and and at least emulate to some degree the type of ministry that he had and the results that he got. And there was something that I came across in the book Christ the Healer that just jumped out of the page at me. And it was something that, uh, that really made a difference with me. And I'll explain why as we go along. I don't want to talk a whole lot about symptoms and circumstances, but maybe a little bit one of the things that, uh, that he talked about in one of the chapters of his book I could tell you the chapter and the, probably even the page number but that's not important one of the things he talked about was keeping your eyes on the word and he used an example of a pain in his sight or a pain in someone's sight and here's, here's the, the scenario that he set up he said if I was believing for finances a financial need to be met I took the word of God about what Jesus did to provide for us. The fact that he was made poor so that we might be made rich and so forth. If I took those scriptures, and again, he's speaking of himself. If I took those scriptures to believe for a financial need to be met. And the next morning I woke up with a pain in my side. He said, what bearing would that symptom of pain have on my faith? Well, you can well, well understand that they're unrelated The pain in the side would be unrelated completely to the belief uh, or faith that had been extended to receive the financial need met, right? But then he said this. He said, if pain in your side or pain in your body in any way whatsoever is not relevant on one uh, avenue or area of faith, why should it be relevant to any area or avenue of faith? And boy, that just went off on the inside of me. Now, I've read Christ the Healer through dozens of times, maybe even a hundred times, to be honest with you. And I'd read over that chapter, but I never saw it until one day. One day, having read the thing, the book that I had was worn out from use. And all of a sudden, something that I must have read many, 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 many times jumped out the page, jumped off the page to me, and I saw something in a new light that I'd never seen before. And folks, I began to latch hold of that That became one of the most important revelations that I've ever gotten concerning the subject of healing. Now, this thing, when it uh, first began, it came on me suddenly, and the first symptom was uh, the tremors. My right hand would shake uncontrollably. By the time I went to the doctor, it didn't go right away, but by the time I went to the doctor, they were... Telling me that it had progressed and advanced, and here's what was going to happen, and told me a lot of things to expect. Doctors are good like that, aren't they? They tell you what to expect. Nowhere in their expectation was healing, nowhere in their expectation was even improving in the lightest or the slightest amount of symptoms. But one of the things which happened, the shaking, the tremors, That was a vanity issue. It had some impact, but not a whole lot of impact on the way that I was living. But I just hated to think or to realize that people could see my hand shake. And I'd put it in my pocket. I'd try to hide it. I'd hold my hands behind my back, do everything I could to try to keep it from being seen. And that probably just drew more attention to it than if I'd left it alone. I don't know. But it wasn't too long after the the initial symptom of uh, tremors. That all of a sudden, I lost just about every bit of strength I had. And when I say that, what I mean is, I'm not talking about if I went to the gym, I couldn't lift as much weight as I had before. I'm talking about stamina. And it was everything I could do for an extended period of time. It was everything I could do, well, it was two years as a matter of fact. For two years, it was everything I could do just to muster up enough strength to stand up to preach. And then as soon as the service was over, I'd try to make it into the speaker's room to to, uh, sit down on the couch and recover. Now, I'm not sure what avenue or how that all worked with Parkinson's because it's supposed to attack your nervous system. And that doesn't seem related to your strength to me, but I don't know. I haven't done a whole lot of work trying to self-diagnose myself. But it was as a result, there's no question in my mind that it was a result of this attack. And every time, before the service and after the service, the devil would be right there, many times during the service, screaming in my ear, throwing thoughts at me faster than a machine gun can fire bullets. (laughs) Throwing thoughts at me, and it was always the same thing. You don't have enough faith, or your faith's not working. And folks, there were times where I was so tempted, so tempted, so sorely tempted to get somebody to bring me a chair up here and just sit down and teach. But I knew if I did that, then it would be a loss. I had to just keep going. Well, folks, I started putting my faith on these things. I was believing God generally for healing from every sickness and disease, including Parkinson's. But there were some things that came against me, like the lack of strength. There were some things that came against me, so that I had to, in such degree or in such measure, that I had to put my faith on those things specifically. I just couldn't see around not addressing it specifically when it is going to make the difference or could make the difference on whether or not I have to retire from the church. And like I said, the devil was always there. You don't have enough faith. Your faith's not working. You're going to have to retire and leave the church. And so forth. But after two years of believing God, confessing specifically for strength, along with some other things that I was believing for at the time, that that strength returned. Now, it, was not, it wasn't without fanfare. I can't tell you what day that it happened. I can't even tell you what day of the week it was. All I know is I noticed one day I was in the pulpit and I wasn't without strength. I wasn't as weak as I had been before. So what did the symptom of weakness or lack of strength mean? Absolutely nothing. Another symptom that came upon me at the same time was difficulty breathing. Now this much I have learned about Parkinson's. When it attacks the nervous system it changes or at least the body is trying to react in such a way that breathing which is supposed to be an involuntary mechanism of the body especially when you're involved in doing something else which in my case was focusing on preaching or teaching the word breathing takes a lot of focus I don't know how to describe this but I had to think to breathe it wasn't like it's supposed to be where you just talk and Uh, You may run out of breath because you're talking too fast or not breaking for a run-on sentence or something like that. Things that we'd consider normal. But I had to think to breathe. Now, folks, try to talk when you're thinking to breathe. That's the dilemma that I faced. And thank God he helped me. One thing it certainly did was slow me down. I have always had people complain about teaching or preaching too fast. I don't think I do anymore. When you're having to think about what you're trying to say and at the same time focusing on taking your next breath, that will slow you down. At least it did me. And again, the devil's right there. You don't have enough faith. It's not going to work. Your faith's not sufficient for this or your faith's not working. But after about two years, that symptom went away. Now, folks, I've never had the devil say, good job. <laughs> I've never had the devil refer, even remind me of anything that's already been defeated, like the strengthlessness and the, the breathing issue. He's never said another word about that now that they've been gone. So here's the question again. What did the symptom of difficulty, having difficulty breathing, having to focus on my breathing, what did that symptom mean? Absolutely nothing. It didn't change God's word a bit. All the time that the devil was telling me it wouldn't work and the word of God wasn't sufficient or I was messing up or whatever. What did that mean? Absolutely nothing. There were other symptoms, there have been other symptoms that came along. A couple of years back, I was getting ready to preach, studying for the service coming up. And on a Sunday morning, just before I came out and uh, joined the service, my jaw locked up. And I tried to straighten it out. I tried to stretch it. I tried to exercise it. I tried to do whatever I could. But it just would not release. I found out later, didn't have a chance to find out at at the moment that it occurred, but I found out later that that is a common symptom with Parkinson's. And it affected the way that I... Move my mouth to to form words. It made it difficult for me to say what I was trying to say or what I wanted to say or what I felt like I was supposed to say. And the devil was right there. You don't have enough faith for this. Your faith's not working. And he'll always say things like, if my faith was working, why wouldn't all this go away at once? But if my faith wasn't working, how could it go away at all? So what did the symptom of lockjaw mean? Did it mean my faith wasn't sufficient? Did it mean my faith wasn't working? No, it meant nothing at all. It meant absolutely nothing. Another aspect of this was slurred speech. Now I attribute this, and and the doctors disagree, but I attribute this to the lockjaw situation, at least the primary part of it. They say that I had a stroke somewhere along the way. And I remember one night, uh, one Wednesday night, where I experienced some symptoms that might be mistaken for a stroke or a heart attack or something like that, but we just pushed through. They attribute it back to that event, but it didn't occur as a result of that event, at least not right away. There were several years in between that occurrence, that Wednesday night occurrence, and when my speech started becoming slurred. So I don't think there's any connection with it, but I don't know if there's a delayed reaction to some of that stuff then maybe it can be but that was something else the devil was right there with and it's always the same thing you'd think after 2,000 years he'd come up with new material but it was always the same thing you don't have enough faith for this your faith's not working well after a year and a half of that that symptom is pretty much gone So what did the symptom of slurred speech mean? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Now, folks, I could tell you some others, but it's not necessary. I think the point has been made. What do symptoms mean? Absolutely nothing. They mean nothing. They have no control over you. It's not proof in any way whatsoever that God's word is not true or that your faith in God's word isn't sufficient. Symptoms mean nothing. God's word is true because it's God's word. Therefore, I declare in Matthew eight sixteen and 17, or really verse 17, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. And with his stripes we are healed now folks that's something that I learned then let me explain by that what I mean by that I knew it already but I knew it in theory but the experiencing of some of these things now I know it not just by theory My, my teaching may not have changed about it because it was just as true in theory before as to the experiences that I've had So my teaching might not be any different on it or the things that I say. But the confidence behind it is sure different. Now I know that I know that I know. Now it's not just telling one of Brother Hagin's stories about what happened with somebody else. This is something now that I know, that I know, that I know. Now there are just a couple of symptoms left. One is the tremor in my right hand, although it's dramatically improved, seems to me anyway. You be the judge, you've been watching it for eight years. So I'll ask the the question again, what does the shaking of my right hand mean? Absolutely nothing. Jesus took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses and with his stripes you were healed. There will never be a symptom that comes against your body that means anything relative to God's Word. Never, ever, ever. Symptoms are simply lying vanities. And the devil wants to do everything he can to get you watching it. He wants to get you keeping your eye and your focus on it. Because he tells you, that it means something. Now, why would you watch it? Why would you take notice of it if it didn't mean anything? That's, why he, that's what he would propose to you because he wants to get you focused on it. But you'll never have a symptom of sickness or disease in your body that means anything when it comes to God's Word. No symptom we can ever experience can change God's Word, can dilute God's Word, can rob it of strength or power to bring you back to healing and restore your health symptoms mean nothing because God's word is true let's pray father we love you so much I thank you for your goodness I thank you for all the wonderful things you've done for me and the people of this church I thank you father for teaching us by precept and example Lord I thank you for the wonderful truths that I now know by experience rather than just by theory I've always said, Lord, that I wanted to learn faith from somebody with scars. Well, thank you, Lord, that I can now be one of those people with scars. We declare, Father, that Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. And with his stripes, we are healed. And nothing will ever change that. No symptom. No attack. Nothing can ever change that. So we rejoice in your word. We rejoice because according to your word, we are healed. We're not going to be healed. We're not looking to be healed. The word of God says we've already been healed. So every symptom, every trace of every symptom must leave our bodies as our bodies respond to our words, obey our words, and obey the word of God. Thank you, Father. That Jesus is our healer. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you for being with us.